0: Hello everyone, welcome to Silent Wisdom Online Satsang. Thank you all of you for joining in. First question is: What are the laws of karma in Vedant? As many of you know already, in Vedanta, actually, the laws of karma are all illusion, there is, no, there is no karma, so there is no person only, but I will expand a little bit on it, and first I am going to speak in English, and I also know that, and I am more comfortable talking in English, as you all know, and there are some, if you want me to repeat that in Hindi, then I can try that as well, okay, so let me know in case you want me to share that in Hindi. So, before we start discussing uh, the laws of karma, we need to understand something very basic about Vedanta. Okay? Vedanta, as many of you would know, is one of the schools of philosophy that believes that all that we know, all this world is unreal and the only reality is the Brahma. Uh, it is mainly the... School of Advait Vedant of Advait, which has been given by Adi Shankaracharya, which we follow, and in Vedant there are four states which are very important, the four states, okay, uh, and and which we are three all of us know very very well from our direct experience, which is the waking state, the dreaming state, the sleeping state. We all know that, right? Right now, like. We are in the waking state all of us and then when we go to sleep and we have dreams that is called a dreaming state and there is also a time when there are no dreams it's a dreamless it's a deep sleep so that we know like we know when we get up in the morning that i slept very well in the night or i had a very deep sleep which was a dreamless there is also a fourth state Uh, which many of us know here, which is called the Turiya. I don't know if there is any English word for Turiya. We call it Turiya only. If anybody knows about it, you let me know. But I think in English also we call it Turiya. So, which is the underlying state in which all other three states happen? Okay, this is the most underlying state. Or we also call it the fourth state, in which the you are in the sat state or it is also called the Brahmic consciousness. You know, different ways it has been defined it. Okay, Maitre is saying it is transcended state. Yeah, we can also call it transcended state. So there are these four states. And uh, let's first talk about the three states because we are all familiar with them. Think about it. Do the laws of karma apply in the sleep state, in the deep sleep state? Do laws of karma apply? Will anybody tell me? Are there any laws of karma in a deep sleep state when we are sleeping? No. Yes. Absolutely right answer, Mathuri. No. Sima is also saying no. Yes. So that means in sleep state, there is no karma. Correct? Although the, you are there and you are sleeping, but there is no karma which is playing out there. Now, in the dream state, now let's go to another state. Let's go to the dream state. Do the laws of karma apply in the dream state or do the laws of dream apply in the dream state? So let me only continue over here and you can also uh, sh- keep sharing your uh, views here like Madhuri is saying only in dream state. Yeah. So in the dream, while it is very similar to the waking state, but... The laws are slightly different. What is happening? One, it is moving very fast. Okay. And what may happen? Let's say if you are thirsty in the dream, then would the water which is next to you on the bed, will that quench your thirst? Or will the water which would be available in the dream, that will quench your thirst? It is the water in the dream. Correct? Even if you are hungry, it is the food in the dream state that is going to work. If you hit... A rock in the dream, you are going to get hurt. Correct? Although nothing is happening to you because you are sleeping on the bed, but in the dream, everything is going to work which is happening in the dream. So, again, the laws of the dream state will apply to you, but not these laws. Okay? So, we have already seen, and in that, in those two states, no karma is getting applied, laws of karma. Okay? Now we come to the waking state. In the waking state, yes, there are laws. And who do these laws apply to? To the vaker. Okay. Now who is the vaker? I am the waker right now. Okay. The laws will apply uh, here to us. And we are aware. And we also know that the laws of the karma say that for every action there is a consequence. That is what we know. There is action and there is consequence. So... Who are these actions and consequences applying to? To the vaker. And yes, here there uh, there is. I'm not going right now into the good actions and the good consequences or bad actions and the bad consequences, which we most of us are into. Uh, that that is what we have understood. That law of karma is that you know the good actions will result in merits and it will give you happiness, and the evil actions will result in demerit and they will give you. Uh, Duk or uh, unhappiness or suffering. But I am just saying here that law of karma is that actions have consequences. That every effect has a cause. Whatever you do, there are going to be consequences of it. But that is only applying in the waking state. Okay, And who does this karma apply to? Who do these consequences apply to? To the waker, to the person. Who thinks he has done this action? Please understand here, you know, that is the difference. The person who is thinking that I am the doer and I have done the action to that particular person in the waking state, there are going to be consequences. Or if the person thinks that, oh, I have done a bad thing and there are going to be uh, bad consequences of this action. So the person, the waker, owns the action. But as per Vedant, The Vedanta is saying that all these three states, the waking, the sleeping and the dreaming, they are dependent states. They are not independent states. They are dependent states. And they are dependent states of what? Of Turiya. They are all present in the Turiya, in the transcended state. The transcended state is the real one. The all other three are unreal. And if they are unreal, then it says... That even the individual, your waking state is unreal state. It is not a real state. You think it is the real state. And if the individual is an unreal state, so then will there be karma? If there is no individual only, is there scope for karma? No. There is uh, no karma only. Right. And if there is no karma, so you, the vedant is pushing you into the Turiya state, into the transcendent state. And it is saying, you stay there. That is the real state. And in that state, there is no karma. So what have we seen? There are four states and we found actually that karma is only in the waking state. Even if you say there is karma or anything in the dream state, it does not affect your waking state. Whatever happens in the dream stays in the dream. And there are no consequences of that in your real life. Isn't it? In your waking life. Even whatever you may do in your dream, Is it going to impact your waking life? No. So it does not uh, go over there. Right? But your waking life, your waking can impact the dream life. Because uh, the dream life is kind of dependent again on the waking. The waking is more real than the dream. So that is how. So as per Vedanta, only the transcendent state is the real state. And all other three states are dependent states. Therefore, as per Vedanta, there is no law of karma. The second question was, do laws of karma apply to a realized person? Okay. Now, who will tell me what is wrong with this question? Will anyone tell me what is wrong with this question? Do laws of karma apply to realized person? Madhuri is saying word realized. Okay. Satya is saying there is no person. Excellent Satya. Thank you. Yes. So, uh, and it's a big misunderstanding, which is again very natural. Natural in the sense because uh, the society has given this to us. Okay. And the society says realized person, enlightened person. Okay. And we have made uh, ideas in our mind about that. Or we have some... Imag- imagination that there is a realized person. There is no person. There is realization, but once the realization happens, it is freedom from the person. So there is no person only. Okay. I will try to give you, I know it is a difficult, uh, slightly cryptic to understand, and I am going to give you an analogy. Um, You know, I think it is pretty close to it, but don't take it literally. I'm just trying to explain here. So let's see. I'm sure all of you are uh, listening to this satsang either through your mobile phone or the laptop. Right. Now, your mobile phone or laptop both have internet connection. Correct. Because of which this conversation or this session is possible for you to attend. Now we can say that your uh, laptop or uh, phone are internet enabled. Right? We can say there is internet connection and they are internet enabled. But by does that mean that there is a change in the laptop? The laptop is an instrument through which you are able to access the internet. So even when we say a person There is a person, the realization happens and through a particular person, those persons, that may be expressed. But people are not realized. There are no realized people there. And therefore, again, coming back to the question of do laws of karma apply to a realized person? Laws of karma apply to the body. Definitely. Okay, Uh, Like if there is something let's say if there is fire and uh, there are two people there is one let's say for whom the realization has not happened and for another person there the realization has happened if there is fire it will equally burn both of them the fire doesn't know any difference right or if there is water both of them will equally get drowned in water or any problem that may happen Because it is the body and body is subject to all the laws, to laws of physics, to laws of chemistry, to laws of biology. Like what example I gave you earlier, laptop, if somebody uh, brings, let's say there is a rock and hits your laptop with a big rock, okay, will the laptop get damaged? Absolutely, the laptop will get damaged. But will that impact the internet connection? Will that impact what is available in the server? The... Because the server, whatever information is there, it is getting expressed through this laptop. It will not get expressed from here, but nothing will happen to that information. Are you getting it? But because the laptop is a physical thing, it will get affected. So similarly, the laws will apply to the body. But what happens is we have certain ideas and we start thinking that if a person is realized, how can he get sick? or she gets sick, or something can happen to them. So we are looking at the symptoms or what is happening in the body and connecting it to the realization. Realization is what? It is knowledge. It is the knowledge that comes, right? And knowledge stays like that. Plus, the one another way of putting it is that even if uh, something, let's say, is happening to two people, This person who has understood will be able to watch it and the the pain will be the same but this person will not suffer. That you can see. The suffering will not happen. Whatever the law of karma. The law of karma will apply to the body. Absolutely. But the pain will be there. The suffering will not be there. That is the only difference that will be happening over here. So uh, To combine, uh, you know, I can just share uh, one more thing that um, there is an ultimate reality and there is a transactional reality. What we uh, in Hindi is called Parimarthik Satya or vyavaharik Satya. So what is happening over here right now through the body, through the conversations in the waking state is the transactional reality. And in the uh, current reality, which is the transactional reality, there are laws, there are laws of physics and laws of biology and laws of chemistry which work, which apply. And anyone who is part of the nature of the Prakriti, all the laws will apply to them. But Vedanta pushes you or Vedanta shows you or shoves you into the ultimate reality. It says... This transactional reality is dependent. It is transitory. It is impermanent. It is not going to stay. So, don't get identified with the transactional reality. Don't get identified with the body or the mind or anything that is going to change. Identify with that which is the ultimate reality. And then, there, absolutely no laws apply. That is how it happens. So, it is all about identification or not identification, non identification. moving on to the third question can subconscious mind be programmed okay i know this uh, question came from a person who has uh, heard about conscious mind subconscious mind unconscious mind and i have also studied these i'm sure many of us would have studied these as part of psychology okay and when you come on path of knowledge uh, and you understand that one is that there are no these separations, right? These are only models and theories that we create for understanding. But actually there is only one mind or one chit. We don't even use the word mind actually. Uh, the proper word is saying chitta. And can that be programmed? The chitta is already programmed. The mind, when if you use the word mind over here, it is nothing but a program only. When we are talking, right now like I am talking, it is a program which is working, isn't it? The language, the English language that I am speaking in, it has been fed over there in the mind. That is how this mind is able to communicate in English. In case, and you are also able to understand it. Suppose if I was speaking in Japanese and many of you would not know Japanese over there. So would you be able to follow? So, unless you also don't have that program uh, of a particular language, you will not follow what what is being told. Even when we get up in the morning and choose to eat, okay, and I I decide, okay, today I'm going to have parathas for breakfast, right? Isn't that coming from a program? How many things for breakfast are available in the mind? There would be about 5, 7, 8, 10 dishes, right, from which I'm going to choose one. I may feel, oh, I have chosen and there is, you know, something like I am doing. But it's all part of the program only. There is nothing out of the program. Whatever that we do, whether we are eating, drinking, sleeping, talking, doing our work, anything from which the mind is being used, it is nothing but a program. So can the mind be programmed? Yes, we have already programmed the mind in a certain way. And we can change the programs as well. We can do that. So as per our choice, now, you know, what our habits are, what the way we behave, the way we do things. And we are always changing the program, isn't it? We are always trying to improve on our habits, learn new things, do different things. We are only changing the program. Only So yes, the mind can be programmed. I'm only removing the word subconscious from here now. I know uh, for uh, you know for people who might be in professions, or um, for certain other things, the subconscious you may still use as part of the language, subconscious, unconscious, and all that. But since here we are talking from a spiritual perspective, so I'm sharing with you, there is just one mind. Okay, I'm just looking at the comments here. Meera is saying our DNA is programmed. Yeah, we say that, right? DNA is also programmed for physical body. And that is how uh, the body takes a certain shape. It becomes, you know, it, it creates those eyes in the place of the eyes, the hands in the place of hands and legs in the place of legs. There is a program already. So if the program is working fine, then... Everything comes out normal and if there is some problem in the program, then things go awry and we try to change them. So, body, DNA, all of them are programs only. Fourth question, what is the difference between renunciation and realization? Now, renunciation means letting go, consciously we are trying to let go of something. The Hindi word that we use is sannyas here because we are talking about in the spiritual perspective. That means and possibly the need to let go, a conscious let go is for the purpose to find the truth, to know uh, who I am or to realize who God is or what is this world all about, whatever could be the reason. And there could be different reasons people take renunciation. Maybe they feel that while taking on worldly responsibilities, they cannot uh, find the, their own a sense, or they are surrounded by people who become obstacles on their path, or they really don't know. And sometimes they want to be part of those spiritual paths. And there are, we know, uh, there are certain spiritual traditions which insist that you leave the world and join the uh, sangha or the uh, ashrams. Where you know you have to renounce, and then you have to take certain vows, like you may wear a particular kind of clothes, you will eat only once or twice in a day, you will do certain practices. So that could all be also be part of renunciation. Or somebody could just simply renounce their family, word, everything, and then move on to, uh, you know, we, we know of people who move on to Himalayas and they just leave the world and go there. So different different things can happen can come under renunciation. Realization is realizing my true nature, understanding what is my essence, understanding who I am which is the permanent thing, not temporary, not something that changes but permanently who I am and that stays with me, that is realization and in realization automatically there is a renunciation. The renunciation, what we spoke earlier, of the person. The person just dissolves. There is no individual after that. The person is there, but the identification with the person is broken. That is realization. So actually the real renunciation happens after realization. The other renunciation is only a practice. Or you can say it's a process of purification. If it is done correctly then it's a process of purification so that one can realize. So very, very clear differences between both of them. So renunciation may not lead to realization but realization will definitely lead to renunciation. Okay, Madhuri is asking renunciation leads to realization or vice versa. Ah, Okay, I just answered that Madhuri. Renunciation may be taken for the process of realization, with the purpose of realization, but it may or it may not lead, not lead to, right? There is no guarantee over there. Uh, but realization definitely will lead to renunciation. But not renunciation the way we understand, right? That, okay, now the renunciation of the family, of my work, of my money, of my possessions, that may or may not happen, that doesn't matter. The renunciation is that there is freedom from the person, from the individual. The identification changes, that shifts. I'm moving on to Kanika's questions now. Uh, Mind is finite or infinite? Definitely. Mind is infinite. We know that, right? Uh, Even if we take some of the functions of the mind, like imagination. Right? Imagination is a function of the mind. We cannot imagine without the mind. Is that finite or infinite? Imagination. So, imagination is infinite. We can imagine anything, any time, and we can go to any extent possible. There is no limit to it, unlimited. So, if a simple function of imagination of the mind is infinite, then definitely mind is infinite. So, isn't mind evolving constantly? well yes mind is evolving that is what we say it is evolving and we can see those functions right um, so for example again even if we take another function of language when we, we learn a language uh, through the use of mind only so we can say that the person is evolving let's say when a child learns first the alphabet then the child learns to make some words out of the f- alphabet uh, then sentences out of those words and paragraphs out of those sentences and making articles and books and it goes on right so you can say even there is a evolution of the language the person is evolving uh, in learning language so evolve is whatever is getting bigger better more complex stronger right so evolving so in the mind many things are evolving so we can say even yes mind is evolving constantly moving on to the third question but Kanika in case they are not clear you can cross question me Uh, please do that so third question is if it's finite why is it evolving so we saw it is it is not finite it is infinite right and if it's infinite why path of knowledge is an end path of knowledge is an end to the person So if the path of knowledge is an end to the person, it is an end to the mind, right? If it is an end to the mind, the mind will keep on evolving. But you have become free from the mind. That is why path of knowledge is an end, isn't it? And then you ask, isn't it someone said its end or something is unknown, makes one thing that it is? The way I understood this question Kanika is that what you are trying to say is, That if someone said it is the end and something is unknown, is that how uh, I have thought that path of knowledge is an end? Is that what your question is? Just this is what the way I understood. So just say yes or no. Is my understanding correct? That because others have said or let's say the Guruji has said or somebody else, uh, Shankaracharya has said it is the end. So we are saying it is the end. Okay. So again, coming back to the path of knowledge Kanika, if Shankaracharya has said it is an end and you believe it is an end, then it is not an end for you. Unless you realize it yourself that it is an end. So its it has nothing to do with what other people are saying. It has to be your own direct experience that it is the end. If you still think that it is not the end, there is more, then explore that. You have to come to this to yourself that it is the end. Not because someone is saying that. Whoever might be saying that. Yeah. You still think it's not the end. Sure. Perfect. You're saying it's just evolution. Okay. I would say evolution, if I have to say from uh, my own understanding, Again, what you had asked earlier, I would say evolution is of the mind, evolution is of the creature and yes, that will happen until this body and mind exist and maybe see this body and mind is an experience of this earth, right? Of a human person and the five senses that we are aware of. So that is where the experience of this body and mind is happening. And maybe there could be other experiences. Maybe you may experience other bodies, other minds, something else. Isn't it? And that is also evolution. This human body is also a part of the evolution. And the mind is capable of many more. No? So the evolution here will keep on happening. Not only until this body and mind exist. Even when this body and mind do not exist, the evolution will happen. and your last question was everything else is an experience even if it's one of bliss okay bliss is not an experience yes there are experiences and uh, you know this question keeps on coming very often kanika that uh, bliss is an experience so and we also associate bliss with the happiness or joy or sukha when something happens like you know when I drink a cold water uh, when I'm very thirsty and it has been a very hot day okay and I say oh I just feel so blissful so we have used the language uh, very loosely over here and we all do that right even realization we say Oh, I realized I had the papers in my bag. Even that is a realization. The realization came that the papers were in in my bag, right? But here we are talking about a different realization. Or we say commonly, like, please enlighten me uh, on this particular topic. Okay, so if you give a little more information on a particular topic, people say, oh, I'm enlightened. I'm enlightened about, let's say, how the cloud works. Okay, so even all these terms are used, but... Similarly, we have been using bliss very loosely for joy and happiness and suk. Bliss means no joy or sorrow, nothing. It's an absolutely neutral state. So Kanika is saying, so neutral state also an experience. What you are understanding of the neutral state, you are thinking that it is an experience, but it is not an experience. It is just who you are. And maybe because we are saying state, that is how you are thinking. Or there is some association with, again, a state or an experience that you are thinking about it. Leave the words, Kanika. Leave all the words. Okay? Leave bliss. Leave experience. Leave state. Just be. That's it. You already know that. You already know it. Don't try to give any words to it. We get caught the moment we start giving words. And however beautiful the words might be, they cannot do justification to what is. Like silence, when we say silence, right? Now I can, we can say, oh, silence is beautiful. Now I can keep on repeating silence, 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 thinking that it is giving me silence. But just repeating the word silence, will that give me silence? Is that silence? Yes, there are no right words, right? So leave the words, Kanika. Maitreya is saying, it's end for seeker, who is on search of self-discovery once you know the self there is nothing to know and it's not final for those who are searching maya or illusion or their goal is different not just self-discovery yes right there was one more question i forgot to write over here that had come which was that uh, while i stay in awareness but something happened And I got lost again and I got identified with the experience so and I completely forgot who I am so what should I do and it's a very common question right it keeps coming I think in all the satsangs that how do I stay in awareness and what if I lose it and of course the answer is uh, it's all right it is going to happen you will forget and especially when you have just started But we get more worried, we put too much pressure on ourselves thinking, oh, why did I forget? Okay, so I think that creates more of a problem than the forgetting in that moment itself. And there will be times when, you know, certain incidents will happen, whether at a physical level, whether at an emotional level, mental level, something will impact you, something will affect you. And... Initially, in the beginning, one may not be able to stay in awareness during those times. That's okay. That's absolutely all right. But again, you go back. So, the awareness is happening after the action. Now the awareness has come that I was not aware. Now you are aware. So, now stay in awareness as much as you can. And it's about making a very strong intention of staying like that. Uh, That intention itself helps a lot. And initially... Practicing it during uh, comfortable times like when you are eating your food, you are taking a walk, you are doing something really light, remembering who you are and over a period of time it becomes more and more uh, natural. So it's like saying that I keep on forgetting that I am a woman. I keep on forgetting that I am a Muni, right? I don't have to like keep reminding, it's just... It's there, isn't it? So it will happen. Don't worry. Survi is asking, when one is not associated as doer and also don't attach with outcome, how does one take responsibility? Very nice question, Survi, and very relevant because uh, unless you know who you are, it is very natural to become associated or become identified with the doer. And that is all that all of us are doing. So by telling yourself, saying that let me not be a doer, let me not be attached with outcomes, that is not going to help. Because right now the conditioning is that I am the doer and there are going to be consequences and we do all actions thinking of positive rewards. That is what we do actions for. get some positive and useful rewards and that is how we take responsibility no all the things that is the way we have been taught in fact uh, there has been research they say like for example some children paint very well and they are very small and they are painting very nicely in class or uh, they will the parent the teachers will tell the parents "Oh, this person has you know unique gift and immediately now the child had been painting just for because is in love with painting right just doing it out of love and then the society will say okay start painting like this you can go to a competition and can become a great painter so they will attach consequences to everything consequences are attached that is the way we have been conditioned and in certain cases as part of the socialization the society that we are living in uh, to survive it is also important but what happens is that we get stuck with the survival process So now when we are trying to reverse the whole thing, how does one take responsibility as you say? Once you realize who you are, once you realize you are a sense, then the doer drops. And once the doer drops, you do things, you go back to being like a child, doing things that you enjoy, doing things that you love. And when you do things out of love, the responsibility comes naturally. You take responsibility Without anybody expecting you to do that, and without anybody, uh, or without you feeling any it as a burden, it is not a burden anymore. So it happens. You know, I always uh, give this example that you are holding stones in your hand. Let's say you know you went near a lake and picked up some nice pebbles, and your hands are full of pebbles. Now somebody comes along and tells you, "Oh, these pebbles are of no use, right? Throw them away! Throw them away!" And you are saying no, but I love them. I cannot throw them away. Okay, so it is like saying like no, I am attached with the outcomes. I love the rewards. I can only do act and take responsibility if there is an action, if there is a reward associated with it. But if the person has is holding uh, you know diamonds and rubies and emeralds in their hand, and they say here take this, then you will immediately throw away those pebbles. Because now you can see that there are emeralds and rubies and something so beautiful. Now you can let go of that. So you let go of that doer and the outcome. Once you find that real thing, then it will happen. Sirvi is saying, child also learns walking by falling. So we can learn from outcomes. Yes, we learn from outcomes. Now that learning from outcomes is all part of the survival process, Sirvi. We on a spiritual path talk about one is that we this body and mind needs to survive, okay, which is very important because that is how you can go on a spiritual path. We all need food, we all need shelter, we need comforts, we need financial stability, security, right? And for all of these things, uh, there are you know there is learning that happens and there we fall also and there are outcomes also. You're absolutely right on. But once we start moving on the spiritual path, then you just manage the survival process. You just manage it. okay? And rest, you do things which you love. So outcome learning will keep on happening, but mainly for survival process. Okay, Anshu is asking, can subconscious mind be programmed? Isko Hindi mein bata? do. karti subconscious mind, man. Haan, man. देखिए एक तो जब हम माइंड बोलते हैं या मन बोलते हैं तो जो सही शब्द है हिंदी में उसको हम बोलते हैं चित्त ठीक है तो हमने ज्यादातर और ये वेस्ट से कांसेप्ट आया है कि जो हमारा माइंड है वो एक कॉन्शियस माइंड है कॉन्शियस माइंड मतलब जो अभी आप और मैं बात कर रहे हैं ये कॉन्शियस माइंड से बोला जा रहा है जो अभी एकदम अवेलेबल है हमें अभी मालूम है चेतन में है अभी इस समय ओके okay? चेतन मन और एक है चेतन मन जो थोड़ा मतलब जहां पे इनफॉरमेशन है लेकिन उसको निकाला जा सकता है अभी अवेलेबल नहीं है लेकिन चाहो तो निकल के आ जाती है वहां से और एक है अनकॉन्शियस माइंड अब उसको हिंदी में बतानी क्या बोलते हैं आप में से कोई गूगल करके दे को क्या बोलते हैं तो अच्छा अचेतन राजेश्वरी थैंक यू अचेतन मन अचेतन मन जहाँ पे अभी हम उसको कनेक्ट भी नहीं कर सकते हैं उसके अंदर सब कुछ इनफॉरमेशन स्टोर्ड है जैसे कि जब हम छोटे बच्चे थे आ, शायद पांच साल तीन चार पांच साल तक तो सबको याद भी नहीं रहता आ, अपने बारे में क्या क्या सब हुआ लेकिन बोलते हैं कि वो लेकिन अगर हम यहां पे जब हम आध्यात्मिक पाठ पे देखते हैं तो ये बोलते हैं कि एक ही चित्त है ये सब हमने जो अलग-अलग किया है ये समझने के लिए किया है एक ही चित्त है और ये प्रोग्राम ही है देखो ना अभी मैं प्रोग्राम यूज वर्ड कर दियो मुझे लग रहा है कि आपको प्रोग्राम तो समझ मैं अगर आप मेरी भाषा समझ पा रहे हो हिंदी की क्योंकि मेरे पास भी एक हिंदी प्रोग्राम मेरे माइंड में मेरे चित्त में हिंदी है जिसको मैंने प्रोग्राम किया है बचपन से सीखा है हिंदी बोलना और हिंदी समझना और आपने भी सीखा है इसीलिए हम एक दूसरे से वार्तालाप कर पा रहे हैं है ना तो ये प्रोग्राम है अगर आप सुबह उठते हो और आप कुछ नाश्ते में खाते और आप बोलते चलो मैं आज so सोचोगे अरे मेरे तो 10 15 चीजें हैं उसमें से आपने एक चीज कल चूज की लेकिन वो है तो कहीं ना कहीं आपके आप इडली सांभर कहीं तो भरा हुआ है ना दिमाग में कि ये नाश्ते में खाया जाता है इसको कैसे बनाते हैं क्या है वो प्रोग्राम ही तो है तो असल में जो चित्त है वो प्रोग्राम ही है उसको तो उसको सिखाया जा सकता है उसको और आप भी जो कर रहे हो आप जो ये आध्यात्मिक पथ पे चल रहे हो स्पिरिचुअल पथ पे चल रहे हो आप जो अपनी प्रैक्टिस कर रहे हो ये प्रोग्रामिंग ही तो चल रही है आपके चित्त की तो हम हर समय चित्त को प्रोग्राम ही कर रहे हैं हमारा चित्त एक प्रोग्राम ही है जिसको हम बदलते रहते हैं और वो अपने आप भी बदलता रहता है रोज नए अनुभव होते हैं रोज हम नए लोगों से मिलते हैं नई चीज सीखते हैं कुछ होता है तो हमारा रोज-रोज वो बदलता भी रहता है प्रोग्राम जो है वो तो बदल ही रहा है तो हां उसको प्रोग्राम किया जा सकता है एक तो है कि अपने आप प्रोग्राम हो रहा है अ अनजाने में हमने जो भी सुना वो हमारे दिमाग में चला गया हम कैसी संगत में बैठे हुए हैं किन लोगों के साथ बात कर रहे हैं उन्होंने बातें की किसी के बारे में वो हमारे भी दिमाग में चली गई वो हमारे प्रोग्राम में घुस और हो सकता है हम भी कल को जाके बैठे तो वही बातें कल को कहीं पे रिपीट कर देंगे तो वो भी हमारे प्रोग्राम में से ही आई है ना और एक है कि मैं चूज करूं कि मुझे ऐसे वाले लोगों के साथ बैठना है जहां पे मेरे माइंड की अलग तरह की प्रोग्रामिंग हो जैसे आप सत्संग में आ रहे ना आप यहां पे जो सत्संग में आ रहे हो क्यों रहे हो यहां भी तो एक Shubham is saying, mind is a big supercomputer. Absolutely, Shubham. Madhuri is saying, sankalp bhi programming hai. Bilkul, bilkul. Chit ka jo bhi kiya ja raha hai, hum jo bhi kar raha hai mind me. That is all programming. It is a big program. And we can change it. Seema is asking, programming and conditioning is same or not? Yes, they are the same, Seema. They are the same. Conditioning is a program that has been set by society, by your parents, by your teachers, by other people who are important in your life. They have said certain things. So the programming has happened. The conditioning has happened. And then when you choose... You become mature and you realize, okay, what kind of programming? What is working for you? What is not working for you? Right? And then you say, no, I don't think this programming that has been done over my mind is fine. It is good. Maybe it has served its purpose, but now it is not working for me and I want to change it. And you say, okay, now you go for a different programming. So you are changing it. So we call it unlearning deconditioning and then we are unlearning and relearning and most mature people in their lives would realize that i say this is a sign of maturity when you realize that whatever has been told to you whatever has worked for you earlier or maybe because you were under were not big enough to understand or you were not intelligent or mature enough to understand earlier. You followed what other people told you. But now you want to change that. Most mature people. And we'll still find many people who are working with the same conditioning, with the same program that was filled into them maybe, you know, 50 years back or 60 years back. And they also keep repeating the same things to other people. Rajiv is saying society's programming is virus. Yeah, Rajiv. True. Shivani is saying programming leads to realization. Is that a question Shivani? Or are you making a statement here? Question. No, programming does not lead to realization. Realization would be complete unlearning. You have to, it's a complete de-program or de-conditioning. That is what leads to realization. It is all removal of ignorance. Programming or conditioning is nothing but all of it is ignorance. Yeah, Rajeshwari is saying reprogramming must be done. Yes. Surbhi is saying, so what is the ultimate purpose of our existence? Whatever you decide, Surbhi, you decide what is the purpose of your existence. Each one of us decides what is the purpose of our existence. See, that is also the problem. See, here also conditioning coming in. We have always been told by others what to do, what should we want, what is the purpose, what is the meaning. Whereas it is for each one of us. And that is where uh, we, we talk about swadharma. What is swadharma? That I decide
1: what am I here
0: to do. I decide, I choose what is my ultimate purpose. Don't worry about existence. Okay, Let existence do what it wants to do. You decide what is your ultimate purpose. What are you here for? Chayank is asking, how do I stop being indoctrinated by society? By questioning everything? Yes. That is the way to start, by questioning. We start with rebellion. So, you know, many of the people who become rebels, it is about questioning. And if you see, the society has taught us not to question. They have taught us to be obedient. And especially in certain cultures, obedience is uh, really appreciated and celebrated. So parents are very happy, my son is very obedient, my daughter is very obedient, they take pride in that. And what does obedience mean? Just do what we say, however foolish it might be, or we know what is right for you. So... Until the time, you are dependent on those people, on the society. And in society, who are there? See, even when we say society, it does not mean the society in general. For each one of us, society is our very own family, our own relatives, our friends, our circle of influence. That is the society for us, isn't it? If I say in my society and there is, uh, you know... uh, is a neighbor or somebody living five uh, houses away is that society for me if there is no conversation nothing no that person i have nothing to do with that person and that person has nothing to do with me society is very simply our own circle of influence people who influence us that is our society and there are very few people actually You will find there may be maybe you know for some people they could be 10 and maybe maximum 50 people not, not too many. So by questioning those things. And it's not an easy process to question. Because the moment you start questioning, you stop getting the benefits from those people. <laughs> those people don't accept you. The, immediately you become a rebel and immediately you are seen with the, a different kind of eyes. And there can be a lot of uh, drama also around you the moment you start questioning. So you have to be very strong to question that. You also have to be very strong to live with all that drama that will happen. And uh, you must refer to then the qualities of the seeker. So question and then find your own answers. Let's say whatever the society has told you. You know, in fact, it's a very good exercise. And that's a great question, Shayang. You can make a list of all the things that you do because others have told you to do that. Okay, which have not come on your own. What others have told you, you should be doing that. And then check. Is it really right? I have believed it to be right because my mother said so or because my father said so or because my teacher said so. But is it really right for me? and look for the opposite it can the opposite also be right okay whatever they have said let me look at the opposite and check if the opposite also is right in cases question that and check things in your own experience does that work for me is that really good for me and there will be certain things which will be good right Uh, things which are for your survival if your mother has taught you to eat nutritious food Yes, excellent. Let that work for you. If you have been taught good manners, you have been given good education and that works for you for the survival process, no need to question that. No problem. Work with that. But for other things which are more relevant, which are not part of the survival process, question them. Rajeshwari is saying put no entry sign. Yes. Madhuri is saying women in society are conditioned that they will that they to seek assertion from others for their decisions. It's difficult for us to unlearn it. Yes, you're right, Madhuri. Women mostly are conditioned to take advice from others or not to take decisions or the men will tell them. So there are certain cultures and yes, it becomes very, very difficult because you get conditioned. But as I said, you know, as you mature, as you start to understand things, and also if you are independent and we always keep talking about this thing, right? Last satsang also we spoke about financial independence which is so important for everybody. Because all said and done, what is it that we need basically for our survival? Roti, kapra, and makan Food, clothes and shelter. That is the basic thing that we need. Some comforts. If you are financially independent and you can take care of that, then it gives you a lot of choice to be able to take your own decisions, to unlearn, to really rebel. And it takes a little time, but it happens. And that is where a guru comes in very handy. If you have a guru and who is there to support you, uh, to help you decondition or uncondition yourself, it's very, very helpful. Without that, it is very difficult. Because I would say majority of the people uh, around you, would be the ones who would be conditioned and who have who have not even questioned that conditioning, who are very comfortable in that. And they would want you to also do whatever they have been doing. Because they have not questioned, they don't want you also to question. So it becomes very difficult. A guru helps here, And you need to have trust in your guru. Shraddha, that is very important. Shraddha does not mean that you have to touch the feet of the guru or you have to do a jump of the Guru. No, Shraddha just means that you have that trust that what your Guru is going to tell you is for your good. The Guru will not misguide you, mislead you. And even if what the Guru is telling you is absolutely opposite, different from what society is telling you, that is what is going to take you ahead. That is what will help in your progress. So that trust, that faith is very important. It's very, very difficult to uncondition yourself without the help of a guru. Rajeshwari is saying just a matter of taking decision and reins in your hand, then we realize ki gadha khula hi tha, Absolutely. But that is what that takes time, na Rajeshwari. Taking decision and reins in your hands, which the society has never allowed you to take. So you are so afraid that. You know, if I will take them in my hands, maybe I will make a fool of myself. I will fall down. I don't know what is going to happen. It's so scary. It is really scary. And that's why we need the path and the Guru who can support us. We need that support. Almost all of us need that support. Looks like there are no more questions. So thank you everyone for joining in. I hope uh, these questions and answers somewhere helped you too. And thank you for participating. Thank you for joining in. So keep walking on the spiritual path. Keep asking questions. Keep realizing your truth. Stay in awareness. Stay safe. Love you all. See you next Thursday. Bye.